Hey everyone, before we start on this episode, we wanted to let you know that you can watch our Catalog and Cocktails episodes live with us every Wednesday via Zoom. Check the link in our channel bio for more information, and we hope you join us in the discussion in real time. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Catalog and Cocktails. You've got Tim Gasper here, Director of Product over at Data.World, and also Juan Cicada. Hey, Tim. How are you doing? I'm Juan Cicada. I'm the Principal Scientist here at Data.World, and always, again, a pleasure to take a quick break in the middle of the week and chat with you, Tim, and have a enjoy a nice, tasty beverage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully, we've got uh, some new folks streaming in here, uh, coming fresh off the heels of the first ever Data.World Summit that happened last week. Uh, had a ton, a ton of different people that showed up to that, and overall, it was a really great event. Uh, and we actually capped it off with a catalog and cocktails at the end of it. Yeah, that was that was such a great event. Uh, I think it was a very fast-paced event for three hours. It was very, everything had a lot of, to take away, and I was very happy that we really kind of summed it up with that last episode. So definitely, if you haven't checked out our previous episode of Catalog and Cocktails. Uh, take a look at it because we summed up the whole three hours in less than 30 minutes. I think it was a, it was a great event. Yeah, exactly. You can get your, your spark notes all in one fell swoop. So, uh, um, and, and for those of you that are, are new to cataloging cocktails, so this is a weekly live hangout. It's a, an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about data management uh, with uh, tasty beverages in hand. And uh, Juan, what do you got going on? It looks like you got the whole bar situation behind you. I am. I'm, I'm drinking... Oh, uh, let's see, got it right here. Just this nice scotch with ginger beer. I'm drinking a Glenfiddich, and I have a nice ginger beer here. And the classic kind of the ginger uh, Moscow mule, but with scotch. That's my deal today. How about you? That's pretty good. I'm going to go quick because I was actually coming off the heels of another meeting. And so I'm going to have a little bit of uh, antique vermouth, uh, just a little aperitif kind of thing, a little thing for, for sipping, getting the flavor. So uh, um, pretty fancy. good. Well, let's say, so going back to the summit for a second, I just wanted to kind of go through the things that we talked about because that's actually a driver for what we want to go talk today. Mm-hmm. We just, we summarized the four main takeaways of our summit was data is not just a team sport. Data is also culture. Don't boil the ocean, have a strong foundation and define what success means. And a lot of the themes that came out of that, well, we summarized in these four points, but one thing that really resonated with me personally and with a lot of people that we have talked to, uh, that who attended the summit and just our friends, our colleagues, our coworkers, is this notion of a data culture. And that's what we really want to go focus on today and actually in the next couple of episodes of Cataloging Cocktails is let's talk about data culture. The whole area of enterprise data management, it's not just about the tools. It's not just about technology and automation. It is about the people and how they interact with other people within your organization. And I think that's where culture comes in. Yeah, no, and I think that that's a a thing that a lot of folks have brought up as one of the missing ingredients to the overall picture, right? Because we've talked a lot about data integration. We've talked about um, things like metadata versus data. We've talked about sort of the role of semantics and knowledge graph. A lot of these things are very sort of technology oriented, right? And then there's this overarching aspect of like, even if you have the technology, if 
folks aren't ready to sort of adopt and act and be ready around data, um, it's going to be hard for that technology and those solutions to get traction. And I, so I think that this is a very timely um, uh, conversation for us to really dive into, you know, what is culture? What is data culture? Uh, and for the next few weeks, kind of explore some different aspects of it. We've got some different speakers lined up and some different topics that we can hit um, around this. So I always like to make sure that we understand what we mean, right? Semantics here, and we're using this term data culture. But what is culture? And, and, and so in preparation for this discussion, I actually went and did my homework to look up what is culture and, and reached out actually to a lot of my, a lot of friends and colleagues who are sociologists, historians and stuff, trying to point me in the right direction to getting these definitions. And I wanted to share with everybody here a couple, a couple of these definitions. So for example, the American Sociological Association has the following definition for culture. It is, so sociology understands culture as the languages, customs, belief, rules, art, knowledge, and collective identities and memories developed by a members of all social groups that make their social environment meaningful. So what I really take about there is you're talking about languages, you're talking about beliefs, about rules, about knowledge, right? These are kind of important characteristics and it's all around a group of people, but you really want these things to may have a meaning, have basically a purpose for that. So that, that was one of the definitions that, that I think it's, it's very clear. I think we have more, right? What, what, what are yeah, the other we, ones that you see around We there? have a couple other uh, definitions that we're looking at because we're kind of looking at and trying to triangulate from some different angles here. So uh, another one that I thought was interesting was um, an integrated set of systems of, of learned behavior patterns that are characteristics of the member of any given society. Um, so obviously this is sort of the behavioral and the, and the mechanisms that people are working together. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, and then here's another one is what gives people a sense of who they are, of belonging, of how they should behave and of what they should be doing, right? So, I mean, we can keep going on. There's, there, there's more of these definitions. And another one that we have here, a learned meaning system that consists of patterns of traditions, belief, values, norms, meanings, and symbols that are passed on from one generation to the next and are shared to varying degrees by interacting members of the community. One thing that I really found interesting there is this notion of symbols that came up. So we started to investigate a little bit more about your old definitions about culture, but what are kind of key characteristics about culture? And I, I think literature gives different types of characteristics, but the one that I, I kind of boiled down and, and looked into was a culture is something that's learned. A culture is something that is shared. A culture is based on symbols. Um, a culture is integrated and a culture is dynamic. It means that things can interact, can change. And, and, that, and this is just kind of like the, the scientific uh, characteristic definitions of what is a culture. So th that's uh, one of the things that I found interesting, how we're going to go connect just the definition of culture from sociology. And let's go dive that into how we connect it to the data and within an enterprise. Yeah, I think that's, that, I think the, the framework of thinking of those things that you just mentioned. So Culture is learned, shared, based on symbols, integrated, and dynamic. That when you take that framework and you apply it to the world of data, that gives us a, a, an ability to kind of break down like what are the things that happen in poor data culture or good data culture. And so we need to talk a little bit about what is good or bad data culture. 
and how do those different aspects play a role um, in making that good or bad, right? So let me throw out a first one there that it's, it's a topic that we've talked about a lot. And it's this notion of transparency and trust. And I think, I, I mean, I remember back a conversation we had with Stuart Kerver in one of our first initial episodes. And it was all about, wait, let's be transparent about what we have and let's go document what we know and even what we don't know. And it's okay if we don't know. And it's okay if we realize that I'm kind of embarrassed that this is all pretty screwed up and I would expect it to be all cleaned up. That's fine. And, and, and what, I, what I've mentioned a couple of times before is we have skeletons in the closet or we know where those skeletons in the closet are and we're probably afraid about that. No, let's first forget about that. I think we literally say that knowing where these skeletons are, that's actually a good thing and let's make that public. And I think the whole transparency and trust is like, I'm going to trust to go share where the skeletons are and I'm, and I'm going to trust the rest of the, the community to, to actually value and appreciate that I'm sharing that. And this is going to kind of help other people to start uh, sharing what we know. I think this one's a huge one because I think for a lot of companies that are maybe younger or newer, like this is so obvious, right? Like, you know, especially at like startups like data.world, for example, like we are very transparent within our own internal culture, but there are a lot of companies, whether they're older or bigger, that really struggle with this concept of transparency and trust. And this is hard to change, right? To, to really say, uh, not only are we going to be transparent and kind of create policy around that, but to make it so that it's a safe environment, right? Where me being transparent about the skeleton of the closet isn't going to suddenly make me get fired or something like that, right? And I think part of that is like, you sh we should celebrate those things. It's like, hey, I'm glad I didn't know that there was this other definition for order. I knew that order was the, that I knew people talk about orders as uh, when the package was delivered and when the money came into the bank. But I did not realize that a lot. There's another community of people who talk about orders as when you click the checkout button or something. Right. Let's document those things. And I think when you start and when you have this culture of being transparent and you trust people, you are able to ask those hard questions. And I remember this on the summit, uh, DJ Patil really, really honed on that. It's, if we start asking the hard questions, like we're honest about ourselves and, we, and this is when other people start thinking about it and kind of giving their own perspective. And, and that diversity of thought is what helps us come up with different and better ideas. Yeah, I 100% agree, Juan. And um, you know, I, another thing that's very related to transparency and trust is transparency around where we don't agree, right? And for example, you know, if uh, orders is, is an important concept within your company or customers obviously is an important part of your company, right? Um, you know, different groups, different departments may define that in different ways and in different contexts, the meaning shifts. Um, and if we don't agree on those things, that's okay. Right? We should, we should explain to each other, we should communicate to each other what we think those are in a transparent way and trust that we can figure it out together or simply say, look, this is not one thing. This is three things or four things. And, and right? that's probably then real, we realize there are three different things and we need to come up with three different words so we don't confuse each other. I think if we're going to connect this to like features of a data catalog and features that you should have in your enterprise data management systems, this is where a business glossary comes in. This is exactly where you want to be able to go catalog your business terms. Your, and, and let's put all that stuff and have it a way that's searchable so other people can come in. 
you go hire new people. You want them to be able to under, be, have a way to go search and find existing terminology. You want them to understand, wow, there's a conflict about that stuff, about how things are understood and defined. Let them know that from the beginning because otherwise it's just going to get more and more complicated. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like this, this reminds me a lot of our agile data governance, uh, you know, conversation that we talked about, too, because that really relies on transparency also, right? And, and, you know, a good example is like, you look at something like uh, GitHub, uh, where, you know, folks are sharing their code, and they're doing these, uh, these releases, and they're able to collaborate around those releases. The only reason why that process works is because everyone can log in, everyone can see each other's code, all the comments are out there in plain sight. Um, and so, you know, this, this, this obviously, this transparency and trust aspect is obviously very important. So I think another aspect, I mean, we're talking about culture and, pe and, and people in an organization, the whole, people, the whole notion of where does the people fit into this? And I think we've all agreed that people are at the center of data. And I think we need to understand how the people are get communicate and how they all connect together within the organization and, and share this culture. And one of the things that really stood out to me, I mean, it's been over a week from the summit, and if there's one thing that stood out to me, I still think about it one week later, was, was Amy's presentation about the, her five lessons learned and this idea that you want to invest in the best people. And you, that means that you should invest in the best recruiters so you can hire the best people. And then another thing I want to connect is, is this was an issue I think that, that Brett Hurt came up with saying, hey, we have millennials coming on board right now, and they're also used to be able to go deal with the best type of, 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 of technology and search and stuff like that. So we want to be able to have, we have a next generation of people coming in and we have older generations of people like we need to get everybody in sync together and, and let's make sure that we all work together. So I think people understanding how the people aspect is part is, is crucial and we need to lead by example. That means that we need to have not just executive buy-in, but the executives need to lead by example. I think that's the crucial aspect. Yeah, no, that's key. And I, we, these are themes that not only did they come up in the summit last week, but um, as Juan and I have been looking at, you know, some research by the Harvard Business Review, by um, some of the research that Tableau has been investing in. And, and, you know, you look across all these different pieces of research. And one of the very common themes is, is having that, that great people aspect, right? And, and as you mentioned, it's having good people. It's being able to implement a process for hiring good people, right? So um, that, that's key. And, and really having the top, set this as a strategic initiative, right? It has to be something where it's not just bottoms up, right? It's not a revolution from within. It has to be something where the whole company is deciding, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do it together. Um, and it's reinforced from the top. Otherwise, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fail, right? Because other priorities will trump it, and we don't want that to happen. And in, a, in addition to that, and I think this actually was a conversation I had with somebody who attended the summit and basically said, wow, again, something else that Amy in the summit uh, talk, gave last week was, you need to understand who do you report to. And this really, there can be a lot of friction if you don't have that clear. And with one of the colleagues, one of my colleagues that we were talking to is like, wait, I just realized now that I am reporting to the wrong person. I am being told by some, by, by the CEO that my goal is to do innovation, but apparent, but I am actually reporting to, to a, a CFO and the goal of the CFO is to reduce cost. 
So of course that I'm trying to go do something more innovative. I need to go spend some stuff to be innovative, but CFO says, wait, I, that's not what you should be doing. That's just, we need to go reduce the cost. So the, the people aspect here is like, you need to know who you should be reporting to. And that actually helps you define what success is, which I want to go talk in a second, but we really need to understand who to report to. Um, and, 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 and that's going to help us drive success. Yeah. Org structure matters, right? Completely. Um, and then, you know, one other aspect that's very related to people is, do they have the tools they need to get the job done, right? Are, are people armed with what they need to be effective? Um, and, you know, in some companies, this isn't a problem, but in some it is, right? And that's where people then struggle because, you know, maybe they're trying to grab for open source things or things on the shelf and things like that. And, and that can be challenging. So they have to have the right tools to get the job done. Definitely. And, and with all of this is another point, which I was alluding to is the whole notion of success. And, and, and that's something that kind of seems simple, but you realize and you notice that people forget about it. I mean, from like, from, from small things to why are we having this meeting? What does it mean for us to, that this meeting is successful or not? Like we should be defining success for all types of things that we do. And I think that's super, that's another crucial aspect within a culture is, hey, we're here together what does success look like? How do we measure success? And again, it goes back to one of the other things that, again, Amy mentioned in her talk last week was have one KPI. And I, and I find that still a bit controversial. Do you want to go figure out just one KPI? But, you, but definitely you want to be able to understand what is our shared mission and something that we can measure and evaluate. And that's how we define what success is. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, you know, regardless of your perspective on if it's one KPI or if it's more than one, um, if you don't know what the KPIs are that you're tracking, or you don't know which one's important, uh, then how are you going to row in the same direction? And so you have to know what that is. And you have to have um, that shared mission, that shared vision. And, and that's both at the business level, right? Knowing what the KPIs that the business are striving for so that your activities with data uh, the decisions that you're trying to make with data are are all supporting those uh, those business KPIs, and it's also success for the data initiatives themselves, right? What are we trying to accomplish with catalog or with virtualization or with these new uh, you know cloud data warehouses that we're setting up, right? If we don't define what success is, uh, then how will we know if we're achieving it and if we're moving in the right direction? And we also need to figure out how to measure and how to define what success is and how to measure it, right? You want to be able to measure this from a technical perspective, but also measure it from the business, right? I remember last week, Ryan had a presentation, right, where he was talking about the return on investment. And you had to define the who, the what, the why of your real business use cases. And, he, and even look at the category of your investment on how you're going to calculate the ROI, Right? Are you going to do that because you're, you're, you're reducing costs, because you're trying to be innovative? That, that's the mindset we, that we all need to go through. And really, we need to set that vision for our data goals. Mm -hmm. We need to choose those metrics with care. And another thing that came up was we need to celebrate the wins. And I think that's what helps drive community, an exciting community. Yeah, when that, you're successful, you want, you want to celebrate it, right? And then you want to say to other people, wow, that's really cool. Look what they accomplished. Look what they met, look what they were able to go measure. That's freaking cool. I want to be like that. Or I either, I either want to be on that team or I want to go replicate that for my team. And, and that's how we all start kind of seeing more success on using the data because we know exactly what success means. We're, we're, we're heading towards that goal. 
and other people are seeing it too. And it's like the snowball effect. So yeah. celebrating those wins, I think, is super crucial in a, in, a, in a data culture. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think that's totally right, Juan. And, you know, just to add to that, e even in just the context of data catalogs, right, we've seen that some of the most successful data catalog implementations and the ones that have accomplished the most sort of adoption have done things like create videos where they interview people in their own company and they're like, hey, this is, you know, Sally over in the accounting department and she was doing this analysis and, and she was using the catalog to accomplish that, right? And then you put that video out there and people are like, oh my gosh, wow, look at that use case that was enabled with this. And I know that's just one example, but that's the kind of thing where you're putting these carrots out there, you're showing, you know, that you're putting the gold stars on these different things. And, and, and I've seen this before is that, wait, Sometimes your organization is so big, you didn't know. And hey, Sally, you're, you see this video from Sally and you realize, wow, I'm like Sally. And I struggle with the same things like Sally. And Sally was able to go do it. Heck, I should be able to go do it too. And I can go figure that out. And I mean, so you can have this in a distributed manner by celebrating these wins. It actually, I mean, you start kind of uh, pushing out all the, all the positive things out, out there. And, and people start kind of doing more and more. So I think that is really, really important. And again, this is how you start creating this data culture. Celebrate the wins and by defining and sharing those successes. And, and what this all, when you start celebrating these wins is when you start generating this community. And I think that's what we want. And community is not created in, in overnight. And I think this is something that, that we really need to be understand within organizations that we want to have a community of data. And it's not just for the data producers, the IT, the geeks of, and so forth. No, the community of data is everybody from the producers all the way to the consumers. And again, that's where you go back to giving an example. The executives need to be part of that community. That's an important, crucial part. Yeah, and I think another big aspect to the community is trying to get everyone involved in things like documentation, in things like contributing maybe the files and the data that's important to the things that they've been doing that you know, they, they have that they're like, huh, maybe other people might find this valuable. If you can start to encourage people to participate in things like documentation, in things like contributing data or metadata, then you can really start to, um, to get people invested and bought in and part of this sort of uh, collective knowledge, this, uh, this institutional intelligence that you're trying to build. No, I, so that, that's actually key what you mentioned about, like, let's get people to do documentation. And, but you still need to realize that this is, again, it's a people, it's a processes and tools. And if we think about the tool aspect, how, how do we get tools and make them collaborative? I mean, if we look at things like Google Docs and how they make us very collaborative, we need to have more of that type of style of features within data catalogs. And I think uh, something that we have done in data.world, which, which I'm really excited about is like our whole notion of crowdsourcing. And I think that's something that we need to think about is we should not pigeonhole people to go to particular tasks like your data steward. You're the person who is in charge of this data set and you control everything. No, we really have, the, 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 there's so much knowledge out there that it's impossible to go centralized. We need to have a way to decentralize this. And I think techniques and, and features such as crowdsourcing can help us uh, avoid having to go uh, bottleneck everything. Yeah. And, and, and then, hopefully make it fun, right? There we go. I mean, think about it. If we were to think about crazy, like we're, we, we do gamification. That's one way of getting community together to collaborate. Gamification is an example of that. I think that would be something that's a crazy idea, not so crazy that we can go add into inside of tools to help the people and the processes. Yeah. And then one thing 
again, uh, that struck me from last, from, from summit last time, last week was John's presentation on agile data governance, where he gave this analogy with traffic laws. And it makes so much sense that you have these laws are there to help a society collaborate. Are they there for society to actually be a team without people knowing each other? You're on the road. You don't know the person next to you. We all can still get from point A to point B, and we're all going to get there in the safest way if we all follow these laws, right? So at the end, we don't want to have some top-level governance that's going to focus us to be very uh, defensive. We want this to be able to be an opportunity for us to go be to share and be collaborative. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And so, you know, we've got uh, a couple other ones here. One of them is don't boil the ocean. That's one of our favorites, right? Um, start small, iterate. You really want to try to get to those wins quickly. Um, you know, that, that's, that's an important one, right? I mean, it, and it really jives with a lot of the other reasons that we just talked about, like community and success and people is you, you want to get that flywheel spinning, right? And if, and if it takes too long to take an iteration, if it takes you a year to take one step, um, you'll never get there because it's, it's not going to be agile enough. It's not going to be able to learn fast enough. I mean, that, that's the opposite we want. We, always, we want people's morale, the community morale, to be up and excited and excited about everything that's going on. We want to have those quick wins to go celebrate them, go iterate, and go, and go, and go keep going on. So, and that's where you want to be agile completely. So our mantra all the time, don't boil the ocean. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be afraid to... Uh, to mark a win up of something that you've done and done it well and put that out there, right? You don't need to have the big mountain moving initiative, right? It can start small, create something usable. What's the MVP and grow from there? And understand who are your users. This goes back to understand who are the people. Who are you building this for? It goes back to what does success look like and, and, and make sure that you're making all these little milestones. Again, we're, we're crawl, walk, and run here. So there's one more, one more point. I know, and, and by the way, this is not like we're making our, our manifesto of data culture. This is Tim and I kind of just going back and forth, throwing ideas. And what we would really yeah, love is for, trends, right? and what we would really love is for the community to start kind of participating, uh, sharing ideas. We can do this over social media. And we also have our community Slack channel that we're starting to kind of, that we started to grow with the whole summit. So please sign up in our community Slack. You can go to slack.data.world and join us there and we would love to keep this conversation going. I wanna wrap up with one more that I found, we had different points going off uh, during the summit and other conversations is having a foundational data infrastructure. So there are many hammers out there and, and you don't know which one to go use. You really need to have the foundation. Say, and, and, and my personal belief is that you wanna have a foundation built on two pillars, your pillar of the, the basic foundational stuff on metadata management. I want to know what metadata I have and what it's called, and let's go document all that stuff. That means that I want to know all the tables and columns and dashboards out there. Let me go document all the business terms that we go do and connect the stuff together. And then another pillar for me is that I want to be able to have a quick way to access that data. Oh, I, I found the data. I got access to it. Let me go quickly look at this data and see what it, and see what it does. That's the foundation. After that, we can go talk about so many different things. Let's go talk about the quality of data, the lineage of the data and so forth. But we need to start from something small that we can build upon. Uh, and I think that we need to have a very clear foundation of the data. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's extremely true. And 
I, I think that you know this, there's a lot of good good ideas here, right? We talked about uh, transparency and trust, uh, and how that's really key, and it being able to sort of raise everything up, make it visible. We talked about people and how critical they are. Hire the best people, have buy-in from the top all the way down. Make sure that you've got your org structure right, so things are aligned within the company. We talked about success and how important it is to really reward success and have a combined and, and, and sort of shared definition of success. And we talked about community, talked about boiling the ocean, don't do it, <laughs> and, uh, and foundational data infrastructure. So there's, I mean, obviously that's just a handful of ideas here. Um, you know, we're, we're hopeful that you'll kind of hang afterwards and we'll, we'll chat a little bit more about uh, what you think is important for your own culture and what your obstacles have been. But, uh, you know, if, if you were gonna point to some takeaways, uh, Juan, what would, be, what would be the thing you point to? Well, I think, for me, the most important thing is that is the first one that we talked about, transparency. Let's, to start the culture, we need to make sure that everybody is transparent and open and nobody is afraid of sharing what they know. Nobody's, share, nobody's afraid of, of, oh, if I'm sharing too much, I'm going to lose my job because I'm a, every, I know all this stuff. And if I give it away, then I, I may not be needed anymore. No, we need to forget that. And we need to be transparent. And we need to trust our colleagues around this. I think for me, that's the foundation to be able to go build a strong data, uh, data culture within an organization. How about you? Uh, I love that, Juan. I, I'll, I'll say that um, I'll specifically call out the top-down aspect and the fact that you really need leadership buy-in. But I'll go even one step further than that and say that I think it really needs to be a ubiquitous approach, right? It's no, there's no silver bullet to data culture, I feel like. Uh, and I'm sure we'll explore this more as we go through this series. Um, you know, one a thing that I look at that really reminds me of this ubiquitous approach that you need is the way that information security has really had to go through a lot of change, right? When people, uh, you know, 20 years ago started to have computers and, you know, it, it became just a daily part of being a knowledge worker is you have to work with technology, you have to work with the internet people all of a sudden had to figure out like, hey, don't put your, you know, your password on a post-it note, right? Um, you should have a screensaver that turns on after 15 seconds, right? Or whatever it is, right? Like this culture of information security had to be put in place and it had to come from all these different angles, right? Top down had to enforce it. You need to have smart information security people, good infrastructure, good tooling, build a community around it, reflect on it, iterate on it, make your process better. I feel like data culture is very similar, right? It requires you to come at it from all angles and, and it needs to be a constant beat, right? Like uh, we were just talking the other day, Juan, about like Ninjio, which we use at data.world for, uh, you know, doing training and uh, those videos are fun. And it's, it's, it's easy. It's, it's, it's something you can consume easily, right? That's a great point. So I guess that's a, there's a business idea. Somebody do a Ninjio, but for data cultures. <laughs> hey, free business so, idea. <laughs> So for next week, we already have uh, ready the episode. We have a special guest, which is Dwayne uh, Dislemur from a the AP, the Associated Press. They are, we're going to be talking about how the AP actually does polling and mm -hmm. what enterprises can learn from that. And I think what's super interesting is that the way the AP has been doing all their polling, it, they have to adapt because voter behavior changes all the time. And there's a lot the enterprise can learn from that. They can learn how, learn so much from how the AP has created this data culture and how they've been agile and have to be able to update their approaches to these evolving times. So we're really excited about that conversation next week. Uh, so definitely check that out. 
Yep. Please join us next week. Uh, that'll be a really great one. So cheers. Cheers, Tim. You have a great one. You too.